Our argument now in number 975310, David R. Beach versus the Aquin Federal Bank. Mr. Rogo. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Aquin Bank agrees that there is a right of rescission in recoupment after three years. Aquin, however, says that that right in recoupment is a state safety net, that one can rescind in recoupment only if there is fraud or duress or coercion under state law principles. Uh, Is is right of rescission in recoupment, is is that a term peculiar to Florida law, or is that how we speak of it generally? I I always thought of recoupment as simply being offset to damages, but but rescission is is an action of an equitable nature. I I, I don't, and your brief talks in the same way. You seem to conflate the two terms. Justice Kennedy, rescission in this situation is statutory rescission. And I think it's important to to know, too, that the right to rescind within three years is not an action in rescission under the Truth in Lending Law. It is merely sending a notice of rescission within the three years. Well, well, can't we say that without coupling it with the term of recoupment, or does that somehow help your case to talk about recoupment? It helps our case to talk about recoupment. And indeed, 1635 I-3 talks about rescission in recoupment. Of a statute that the Supreme Court of Florida absolutely ignored in this analysis. The statute itself talks about rescission in recoupment? Under state law, but the caption of I-3 is the right to recoupment under state law. And then the statute says, nothing in this section shall affect the right to rescission in recoupment under state law. Aquin suggests that that only means state law rescission for fraud, duress, or coercion. And our position is, is it means more than that. It means the Federal Truth in Lending Act right to rescission. And several reasons support our position. The first is the notion that when one looks at this statute, the word rescission used throughout the statute is federal TILA rescission. And this court's decision last week in National Credit Union uh, reasserted a principle that when one looks at statutes and the same words are used throughout the statute, then the word has the same meaning. And here the word rescission is used throughout Section 1635, and it is referring to TILA rescission, Truth in Lending Act rescission. So Mr. Under that- Rogo, under the statute, I guess regardless of the timing of the discovery of a failure to comply with TILA, that uh, the um, homeowner, your client, in effect, could in any event obtain damages that result from whatever failure uh, to disclose was involved. Is that right? That, that is Without right. any time limit on that. You can get actual damages. That, the, you can get actual damages, Justice O'Connor, and And also twice the amount of any finance charge? A, a statutory penalty with a maximum, in this case it was $1,000, and there was $1,000 in effect a penalty yes. under 1640 plus the overcharge and plus another, another amount. Of so other. that's available without time limit. That, that is available. But your client asserts, in addition, a right to rescind and recover all of the interest paid for the period of time that the mortgage was in effect and, and payments were made on it. Is that right? That is right, Justice O'Connor. Recover the interest paid, on the other hand, have to pay back the principal. The rescission... Yeah. I mean, it could have been 20 years of payment under the mortgage, presumably. It, it could be. When you discover there's some $7 uh, 
deficiency. Well, a $7 deficiency... I mean, that would be enough. No, it, it, it would under not... Under your theory. It, it wouldn't be enough, Justice O'Connor, because under Congress's construct, it would have to be more. But I think the answer to this is, because I understand... Well, no matter how small the failing, and this was pretty small, and no matter how much time has elapsed, it's your position that there's this indefinite right of rescission to get back all of the interest paid in addition to the damages and in addition to the statutory penalty, right? Yes, Justice O'Connor, because Congress has said that that is right. Because the remedy... Well, that's what we're here to decide. I'm not a bit sure that's what they've said, but that's your position. That that is our position, Justice O'Connor, but we think it's informed by how one construes these statutes. Beginning with the first point that I made, Congress certainly has said rescission in recoupment, nothing uh, in this section which would Mr. be Roger, the Can I ask just one other detailed practical question? You have to do have to tender back the amount of the, the, the loan to principal. Yes. And your client is here in form of pauperous, as I understand it. Yes. Does he have the money to do that? Well, at this moment, of course, he doesn't have the money to do that. And what happens in these cases generally is, is that if the right to rescission is invoked, then the, the borrower is entitled to the return of the interest. But the borrower has to pay the principal back. Right. And, and in some situations, indeed, if one's house is appreciated in value, you can then refinance your house and pay back the principal. But the, I think the important thing here, Justice Stevens, is, is that whatever the remedy is, is a remedy that Congress has constructed not as a penalty to the lender, but to force the lender to conform to the truth in lending law. The truth in lending law, its purpose is to protect... But Mr. Rogo, if you are so stressing the word decision, you say that's used over uh, repeatedly. And yet, Congress used such distinctly different language in dealing with the one-year time limit for damages. It says no action should be brought, traditional statute of limitations. Here, it talks about the right to rescind shall expire. One sounds like it's simply a typical statute of limitations, and you can raise, and defensively, you can recoup. The other, it sounds like expire, dead, over. After three years, it's gone. And you make, how do you explain that Congress picked this word expire to describe the right of rescission and then talking about the one-year limitation used traditional statute limitations language. Two ways, Justice Ginsburg. The first is the right that expires is the right to affirmatively rescind. That right that they're talking about is the right within three years to say to the lender, I am rescinding this transaction. That is the right that expires. Well, you say so, but what is there in the statute that indicates that? In anything that indicates that it's only the same thing. What you're, what you're saying is it is the same thing as the extension of the statute, the, the um, statute limitations, which doesn't count if you're seeking only to recoup. But Justice Ginsburg, I-3 says the right to rescission in recoupment uh, shall not be affected and is available under state law. So even if one looks at 1635F, the shall expire language, that is revived by I-3. Mr. Rogo, can I ask you about that? Uh, do you want us to determine what Florida law says? I mean, let's assume we agree with you as to the meaning of I-3. Should we determine that there is such a uh, right of rescission and recoupment under Florida law? No, Justice Scalia. You would, you would want us to remand? Yes. To let the Florida Supreme Court decide that? Yes. Because so is that the most you're asking for? It is. A right to remand to let the Florida Court decide whether under Florida law 
there is such a right. To, to let the Florida court decide whether or not under Florida law properly applying federal law, the difficulty with the Supreme Court of Florida decision was... Well, wait, 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 wait. That's not what it says. It says under state law affects a consumer's right of rescission and recoupment under state law. It says the right to... It, the, the caption of it says the right to recoupment under state law. The question then becomes whether or not Florida permits recoupment under state law and whether or not it would permit rescission. Florida... In but, I mean, Florida may decide that this is a peculiar uh, sort of an action, uh, this rescission uh, action, uh, for which it will not allow recoupment. Is that not, uh, not um, uh, within the realm of uh, uh, permissibility? It, it is not if it misapplies federal law. The Supreme Court... Well, why would it say under state law then? Be, well, because... If, I mean, if it's a matter of federal law, they could have left out the phrase in I-3. Nothing, they could have just said nothing in this subject and affects a consumer's right of rescission and recoupment, period. In, in I-3, the caption, I come back, that says the right of recoupment under state law. I don't law. care about the caption. I'm talking about the text. The, and the, we, don't, and the, we don't go by captions. We go by the text. And the right of rescission, Justice Scalia, is the right of rescission, TILA rescission, and state law rescission. What Aquin is, Aquin, Aquin agrees there is a right of rescission. They're claiming that that right of rescission is strictly a state law right of rescission. And when one reads the Supreme Court of Florida opinion, it is driven by its view that Congress has said that there shall be no right of rescission under federal law. <clears throat> That's the heart of our argument. I that understand that. They, they, they say that under federal law, there can be no state law of, uh, right of rescission. And you say that's wrong, but can't we, if we sent it back, couldn't they still find that under state law, regardless of what the federal law said, we don't think this is the kind of matter on which there should be recoupment? Not if they applied neutral principles of Florida law, because Florida law permits rescission in recoupment. Okay. Roga, but it's, it's a question of Florida law. It's a que ultimate question of Florida law. And what you say is neutral principles of Florida law may not be what the Florida Supreme Court thinks are neutral that, principles. And, and they would not be if the Florida Supreme Court properly addressed 1635F. Mm -hmm. By misconstruing 1635F and 1635I3, the Supreme Court of Florida came to the conclusion really on two foundations. One, that 1635F is a statute of repose. The right shall expire. It failed to address, indeed it said, that I3 is not even relevant to this inquiry. And may, clearly, I, may I clarify one thing, Mr. Rogo, because I think we lost a piece of this. It's essential. I think you, you said at the very beginning that the bank agrees there is a right to rescission in recruitment, whatever you, yes. but solely under state law. That is, as Justice Scalia asked the question, the, there is a concession, whatever, that whatever Florida law would be apart from TILA, TILA doesn't exist. If there's a right to rescission under state law, that would apply here. But I think you're urging the double, the two things. That is, you must get TILA into it. Otherwise, there's no difference in your, your position. That is, that is exactly right. Our position is, is that 1635 I3 embraces TILA rescission and state law rescission and leaves the door open. But if, you, if you're right about TILA, having this right of rescission and recruitment, then why do you need the provision that talks about state law? You've got, you say that under TILA, in three years, for 10 years, it doesn't matter, you can rescind if you're sued. 
Now, what extra does, does this add? If, if you have your right under federal law, then what does the addition of the state law? It, it makes it clear that federal law is not preempting the field, but rescission in recoupment under state law would also be available for fraud, duress, or coercion. Well, it's, it, it's not a matter of preemption. It's a matter of ultimate source. Uh, you're saying, I, I think, that the obligation uh, to make these d disclosures and, and, uh, and to make these calculations correctly arises under federal law. It does, Justice Kennedy. And, and it's for that federal law, Congress has provided a remedy for breach rescission, but it says it can only be for three years. It says it can only so be... It, it seems to me, as Justice Ginsburg is indicating, that you're trying to have it both both ways, but that, that's quite different from saying that there is simply a state law cause of action. Well, what we're saying, Justice Kennedy, is, and, and the Supreme Court of Florida came to the conclusion that there is no federal right to rescission after three years. If they are wrong about that, then their decision is not properly informed. And, and that's what we are arguing, that they well, but, are wrong about that. But certainly section, uh, subsection or double subsection 3 of 1635I, which says nothing in this subsection affects a consumer's right of rescission and recoupment understanding, that does not give any federal right. It leaves open the door to it, the federal right. It le well, it leaves open the possibility that the state may give you a right. It, this, it certainly leaves open the state giving you a right, but it does not preclude, and I think that's the key to this case, is to, it does not preclude the use of the federal right. No, but it seems to me that your federal right of rescission goes when it says an obligor's right of rescission shall expire three years after the date of consummation. That's 1635F. And well, and that is your... Uh, your right of rescission under this statute? That is your right to affirmatively affirmatively. What do you, what do you mean affirmatively rescind? It doesn't say affirmatively rescind. When one reads 1635A and 1635B in that section, they're talking about sending a notice of rescission within three years, affirmatively rescinding. We are talking about rescinding in recoupment, something that happens after three years when one has been sued in foreclosure. And that's the state law right? That That is... If state law permits recoupment, then there is a right to rescission. And the question is, which right to rescission? State law rescission or state law rescission and the federal TILA rescission? Mr. Rogo, did the petitioner ask for uh, a rescission remedy as a matter of state law in the proceedings below? As a, the, the petitioner raised 1635 rescission, which was federal rescission. But not state law. At the, that's right. Rescission. At, at the, that was not raised. It was not. And at the time, I-3 was not in existence when the petitioner filed his, his and her affirmative defenses. So they were relying upon the right to rescission, which every court that had addressed this since 1984 found that there was a right to rescission in recoupment after three years. What, may, why? May I, no, please. May, may I go back, uh, though, to an earlier question? Leaving aside uh, the, the, the fact that the, uh, the word affirmative does not appear uh, in, in, 16, in 1635 F, uh, how do you explain the distinction between the shall not be brought language with respect to the damages remedy, which sounds like a normal statute of limitations, and the shall expire language with respect to this rescission right? What, 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 is, what, is, the, uh, what is the reason, in effect, that I think you're telling us we should ignore that, that distinction? No, the cases, Bull, Ryder, Western Pacific, clearly make it plain that Congress 
only the clearest congressional language would prevent a statute of limitations from being used in recoupment. And the language here, shall expire, is being read now as something other than a statute of limitations. I don't think the nomenclature makes any difference in this situation. Well, but uh, my question is, why shouldn't it make some difference? Uh, the, shall, the, the, the shall not be brought uh, is, is standard limitation language. Shall expire is not. And on its face, it suggests that, in fact, a distinction is being made. And I, I don't know why we should ignore that distinction in language and find it of no significance. And I, I, I don't think you've answered that. I, I think, Justice Souter, that the answer lies in I-3, that, that if one views as is right as having expired, then I-3 revived it by its language that leaves open the notion that there can be rescission in recoupment. Well, I-3 doesn't have to be read that way. Cannot I-3 refer to state law recoupment uh, uh, permissions that do not rely upon this federal statute. That is to say, if the same failure to provide information under this federal statute also constitutes a fraud under state law, this provision can be read to say uh, recoupment and rescission for that fraud is not affected by our, our three-year uh, um, termination of the rescission for violation of this act. But the question violation of the act is also a fraud. But the question, Justice, Justice Scalia, is whether or not it can only be read that way. Congress had the opportunity. No, it need not only be read that way. I'm saying when you put that together with the with the indication that Justice Souter was uh, was just referring to, the indication that they use language different from a statute of limitations, those two go together very nicely. But the Supreme Court of Florida said it can only be read one way, and, and that, we think, is their error. It can be read, unless there's clear language that says there is no rescission in recoupment under Ryder, Bull, and Western Pacific, then the court should conclude but that... Mr. Rover, why isn't the word expire clear? I mean, I, I dimly recall learning in law school that there were two kinds of time bars. One extinguished the remedy, and that's no action shall be brought. And one was supposed to extinguish the right, and that was the right terminates, not just the remedy. Now, that's what, what the difference in language triggered in my mind immediately, that expire sounds like the one who's got no more right, and the other is, well, too bad you can't sue on it. And I-3 addresses that when it says that nothing in this section, which includes the three-year limitation, which is referred to in Section I, shall affect the right to rescission in recoupment under state law. So while that, your reading would be the usual reading, the fact that I-3 is added to this changes this from being that kind of statute of repose where the right has expired, died, as Aquin has suggested, into something that now has been revived. No, but your argument, as I understand it, is that the reason I revives it is that I, in effect, uh, or, or the, that state law uh, uh, looks to, would look to federal law and specifically to this act. But when, federal, when state law does look to federal law under this act, what it sees is what Justice Ginsburg uh, just described. Uh, it sees language that seems to say, with respect to the uh, 1635 right, it expires. So whether I is there or whether I isn't there, you've got to deal with the, with the expire language. And I don't see that the, the, the formulaic incorporate or, or reservation of state law 
uh, has any bearing one way or the other on, on the significance of that distinction. Justice Souter, Congress had the opportunity to make it specific that there will be no rescission in recruitment. The AARP brief has in its appendix the four different bills, I think it was, that were offered to accomplish what Aquin is now asking this court. Congress rejected that. Congress did not include that language that made it clear that this right shall... You take a vote on that? The whole Congress said, we do not want these statutes? No, they... they but by Just a committee. Right. But, by, but by rejecting the bill, Justice Scalia, by rejecting the bill... Did the whole Congress reject the bill? Well, in terms of how Congress voted, obviously, the end result was I-3... Those bills were never presented to the whole Congress, were they? They did not come out of committee. But in this legislative process, there has been no showing by Congress that this is what it intended, that this right shall expire. I think it's critical. But it's, it says in so many words that it shall expire. It does for the affirmative right to rescind. It doesn't say affirmative, Mr. Rowe. You've been putting that word in front of rescission all during this argument, and the statute simply doesn't say it. Justice, Chief Justice Rehnquist, by talking about that right in that section, they are dealing specifically with that affirmative right to rescind within three years. I think it's important to note that the lender controls everything here. If a lender conforms to federal law, then there is no potential for rescission. Is, is, uh, the, uh, I'm back with Justice Kennedy. That is, this seems like such an odd legal animal, rescission in recruitment. I don't understand what it is. That, uh, is there any other place it exists in the law? My understanding is that if, if you give me $2,000, suppose you gave me $2,000, and I was supposed to give it back to you, I never did, and you forgot about it. Twenty years later, I sue you for 10000 on something else. And even though there's a statute of limitations, you could say, wait, Breyer has my 2000 Deduct it from the ten. That's recoupment, isn't it? That is, Justice. All right, well, by analogy, that would here uh, permit the, the borrower, the homeowner, to deduct when 20 years later they try to foreclose on the mortgage, the bank tries to get its money back, it, it would permit him to deduct however much he was hurt by a failure to disclose. But everybody concedes he gets that. Now what he wants is something more. He wants, he wants something he never gave me. He wants me not to ever collect any interest over 20 years. Well, that doesn't sound like anything to do with recoupment. And, and, and it's something else. It's like a penalty or... Uh, something. So, so is there any, if, if Tyler never existed, if you look across all state law, is there any other instance you came across where something like that sounded as if it was part of recoupment? It just doesn't sound like recoupment. And everybody's saying rescission in recoupment. I know it's written in a statute, but I want to know, is this a, uh, like an, a normal legal animal or is it something they invented out of Tyler or where did it ever come from? I'm not aware of it anywhere else, Justice Breyer, but the... All right, so if it's nowhere else in the law, and if it starts out by saying, nothing in this subchapter shall, you know, have any effect on something called rescission and recoupment, then it sounds like, if nothing in this subchapter, then forget it, it's gone, because there is no such thing. <laughs> well... Then, then I think that those words would be meaningless. The I-3 language would be meaningless. Oh, but it's possible, you know, you go to Congress, people get all mixed up, and somebody comes and tells them there's something called rescission and recoupment under state law, and everybody says, well, we don't want to touch that. I mean... <laughs> well, this, this, was, this, was, this was considered, and it was rejected. And I think the two points I want to make before I reserve the rest of my time is, is that not only do the lenders have the right to cure this 
defect because they can cure it and therefore render them not liable in rescission and recruitment, but they can conform to the law. And I think the beginning point of this is this is a unique statute. It is a consumer protection statute. It's to inform and protect the consumer. And rescission is not a penalty. It puts the parties back in their original position. May I ask you just to comment on one thing before you sit down, Mr. Rogo? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a point that I, I came across and I thought I answered it and then I, it occurred to me maybe I didn't. You've, you've mentioned 1635 I-3. What I have in mind is the significance of 1635 I-1. Uh, I, I could read it, but you probably know it. Does that have any significance for, for your position? No, th- those provisions in 1635 I give the consumer a right to rescind within three years in certain conditions. Mm. Uh, And the 1995 amendments actually limited the right to rescission. This made clear that there was a right to rescind within those three years for those reasons. A mortgage broker fee was not disclosed, those kinds of things. But it's referring to the the right which occurs at the time of of foreclosure. Yes. So it's a defensive, I mean, I I assume it's a defensive right which functionally is being uh, employed in, in the same way that you're arguing the, the general rescission right. It is, within three years, but that doesn't address recoupment, and recoupment is addressed in I-3, and I-4 makes it I have a, techni- a technical question. If they do rescind 30 years later, the borrower, does he actually have to tender the value of the money, or is it that the bank simply has uh, a legal claim to the value of the principal? Well, there are equitable principles here, and the court could adjust the well, you, well, when you say, is it, in other words, is it possible that 30 years later the homeowner comes back and says, yes, you are entitled, bank, to my original principal, $100,000. By the way, I'm in bankruptcy, and you don't have any security. Good luck. I mean, does that happen? Is that possible? If, if, Your if, interpretation. If, if, there, is, there is no record of that happening. No, ever in the country? I mean, I'm, I'm trying I'm, to... I'm, I'm not aware of any, Justice Pryor. So, so, so they'd actually have to have the $100,000 and give it back to the bank, otherwise uh, uh, they couldn't do the rescission. The rescission requires a give and take. Is there any reason why a borrower would act within three years instead of just sitting back once he knows there's, there's been a, a mistake in the, uh, in the original transaction and Be- waiting for foreclosure. Meanwhile, he's using the money interest-free. Because if that were a strategic default, then under equitable recoupment principles and even indeed under the rescission principles, the court could take into consideration if there were some bad faith in the way the borrower had addressed this. And I take it the court could also take into consideration uh, the, the fact that there's a provision in here uh, that, that mere computational errors, uh, in fact, do not support any rescission right at all. I mean, I, one of the things that surprises me about this case is what, what is described as the error here sounds like somebody's adding machine mistake to me. Uh, and, and I presume that if the bank comes forward and, and affirmatively uh, shows that that's the case, this whole discussion is academic, isn't it? it? You would only have the right to rescind if there have been material disclosure errors that the court found were in clear violation of TILA. Yes, Justice Souter. Mr. Phillips, we'll hear from you. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. Uh, given uh, the presentation uh, in the first half an hour, I'm not sure I'm going to uh, uh, gild this fully uh, at uh, great length, but a couple of points seem to me to warrant attention at this stage. First, Justice Breyer, in response to your question, uh, the industry amicus brief talks about the problems that arise in the bankruptcy setting and the fact that there are lots of lenders who end up not being able to recover anywhere near the full amount of the outstanding loan in the rescission context. So that's some evidence well, of it. Why would that be? Why, I mean, that's, I'm trying to figure out legally why would that be, that if in order to rescind, the homeowner has to tender back 
the principle of the loan. Why would the bank not get the principle of the loan? That's what was confusing. Yeah, as I understand, because the principle of the loan is essentially an unsecured debt. No, but tendering back, I take it, means you have like a certified check and you hand it to the bank. And well, the question is going to be then, as a matter of equity, whether the tender back rule has to be applied in the first instance or whether the bankruptcy protections ought to apply in the first instance. And I think the lower courts probably are divided with respect to that particular question. It sounds, that's what I found out. It sounds to me this is an empirical question that should have an answer. Well, we know in the Botello case... It doesn't case, sound as if, if people know. But right. But the Botello case was the one case in which that actually happened, and they did, in fact, eliminate the tender-back requirement in its full in its full measure. That's the only one I know about that's cited in the in the briefs, and that's a bankruptcy case, Your Honor. Uh, with respect to where the case stands at this point, we begin with the language of the statute in Section 1635. It says as plainly as it can that the right that the petitioners seek to assert here expired, and it expired in 1989, and they came in 1991, and they sought to raise it again. Now, what they were able to do in 1991 that they were able to do specifically because of Section 1640 is they were able to get actual compensatory damages and they were able to get statutory damages in point of fact, even though the statute of limitations on violations of TILA had already run. And that's because Congress was very careful in devising the remedial scheme that it adopted here. It recognized that that was a, an equitable response that frankly tracked this Court's decisions in Ball and Ryder versus Cooper and Western Pacific. Congress recognized that that was equitable to allow the borrower under those circumstances to come in and to assert that particular right, and they received that. And the question which Justice O'Connor began the argument with, I think, is really the one that we have to focus on. Under these circumstances where you've received full recompense, what sense does it make for Congress to go further and ask you to, uh, to grant a right of rescission? And the petitioners say that we have to find something in the statute that says you cannot have a right of rescission. We submit to you that the more reasonable assessment of the equities of the relationship between the parties is we ought to be looking in this statute for some evidence that a right of rescission in recoupment should exist under the circumstances of this case. I think was, look at the language. It says nothing in this subsection affects a consumer's right of rescission in recoupment under state law. That's an odd legal animal. The only thing he's ever found that that exists is this kind of a case. So Congress must have had something in mind. And if they didn't have this thing in mind, which distinguishes between affirmative rescissions and uh, rescissions later on in recoupment, what could they have had in mind? Uh, Is meaningless or what he says? No, Justice Barr, I, I can't improve on your characterization of what probably happened to Congress, which is that somebody identified the possibility of a state law right of rescission and recoupment, and the Congress quite rightly re re reacted negatively and said, wait a second. In this subsection, we certainly don't mean to withdraw any of those kinds of state remedies. Remember, this is a statute that is very solicitous of state law in general in all of these well, things. Do you think there's any possibility that Congress meant rescission or recoupment? The rescission in recoupment just sounds crazy to me. And it would well, make perfect sense if it said rescission or recoupment. Well, I think it would have made more sense if they had simply said state law rescission and recoupment. Again, I, I think all they wanted to make clear of but is that state law would be the state law is rescission in recoupment? Uh, there, there is a reference to that language in one of the, actually one of the earlier Florida cases, uh, where well, it's not actually that language, but there is recoupment action, and they do talk about rescission. But, you know, our footnote six in our brief goes at great length. We, we looked in vain for this to try to figure out where Congress uh, came up with this particular animal and, frankly, couldn't find it. Nobody thought of the possibility of a scrivener's error. Well, I'm always reluctant to press that as the basis for interpretation, Your <laughs> Honor. <laughs> if it said or... Thank you. How would, the case come, <laughs> how, how would the case come out if it said or? Rescission or recoupment under state law. It depends on whether state law uh, applies to, the, to both. 
See, I think it's good. And, and then what's the answer to that? Well, I still think that Congress would have meant for state law to, to, to apply to both, so it wouldn't have made But, Mr. Phillips, I understand your position. You're just saying there's no federal right here, but I don't think you take the position that if Florida said we're going to treat even a trivial violation of TILA as a ground for state law rescission, you, you aren't saying that it would be preempted. No, I'm not arguing that it would be preempted, but I do think it's important in that regard, a la Justice Scalia's question about a remand in this case, is that the first half of the Florida Supreme Court's opinion analyzes the federal statutory issue. The second half of it analyzes it as a matter of state recoupment law and conclusively says that, in our judgment, this kind of a statute is not the kind of a statute in which we would exercise recoupment, and therefore, as a matter of state law, there's no basis for recovery. That's over and above the fact that they've never asked for recovery under well, state law at any point time. Is, when did their claim for state law recoupment first assert itself? I, I didn't find it in it, the early days. It never asserted itself to this day. I mean, there is a single sentence in the reply brief in which they make reference to seeking rescission under state law. There's no support for it in the citation of the reply brief, and there's nothing in the record. And, and actually, I heard counsel for petitioner today to, to effectively concede that the complaint clearly says nothing about state law and nothing else arose throughout this litigation. But you which think that nonetheless, as you read the opinion of the Florida Supreme Court, it rejected any state law recovery? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because at the end of Even the... Even though it wasn't requested. That's, that's correct, Justice O'Connor, because the question that was certified to the Florida Supreme Court was whether or not there was this kind of a right under state law. And if you look at the joint appendix on 164 to 165, the last line of 164 says... After analyzing all of the traditional grounds for statutory interpretation as to why, why this provision doesn't grant a federal right, it says, but that does not end our inquiry, and then it turns, in Florida. And I take the rest of that analysis really You don't really think that the Florida court thought that it was simply not at liberty to confer some state law right of rescission uh, on the theory that TILA had preempted state law? I don't see anything in the court's opinion that remotely suggests that that to be the case, so Justice O'Connor. The question, the question presented here is, may an action for the statutory right of rescission provided by TILA be revived as a defense in recoupment beyond the three-year limit on the right of rescission set forth in Section 13, 1635F? I'm not sure that even includes that question. Well, I, I, no, no question about it, Mr. Chief Justice. It doesn't include that question. There, there, it's only a response to an argument. The question framed in the petition. I'm we, sorry? Re, we rewrote the question. Right. Yeah. Yes, Justice. So that's not what they put yeah. Right. But the, the bottom line is, in terms of, I think, what is before this court, it's simply a question of federal law. And I think, based on all that's happened today, the question, the federal question of law is, un, is, is unmistakable. That is, the right expired. There is nothing in this statute that remotely revives that right. And certainly nothing in I-3 which as we've, I think, discussed now at, at sufficient length, which simply retains certain protection for state law. It was a peculiar way if all you're trying to do is, is, if what you were really trying to do was to revive a federal right that you categorically declared to be expired, this is not the way you do it. And therefore, I don't think that's a fair interpretation of that language of the statute. Uh, if the court has no further questions, I'll, uh, I'll wait back the rest of my time. Uh, thank you, Mr. Phillips. Uh, Mr. Rogo, you have one minute remaining several things. The Florida Supreme Court opinion clearly is premised on its view that under 1635 there is no right to rescission, and that informed its view of state law also, and that's at page 171 of the joint appendix. The courts that have looked at this, Dawes, Colorado, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, have all decided that there is a right to rescission in recoupment consistent with the federal TILA 
right that could be asserted affirmatively within the first three years. This court has talked generally about recoupment. It is an equitable remedy. There is nothing inequitable here. This is a consumer protection statute, and the lender controls both at the outset, the duty to conform to the law, and throughout the life of the loan, the ability to cure the defect. And in this situation, the con without clear congressional language saying there shall be no recoupment, there is recoupment in rescission, and Florida permits rescission in recoupment, and it should have permitted it in this case under federal law. Thank you, Mr. Rogo. The case is submitted. We'll